0: Welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. We help committed people stop wasting time and stop compromising on their goals. We build and rebuild strong people through one-on-one custom fitness solutions. No filler, no nonsense, and no time to waste. Let's talk about it. Hey, hello, and welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. My name is Justin McClintock. Thank you so much for pressing all the buttons and subscribing, doing whatever you had to do to get me into your ears. Today, I'm very excited we have a guest on the podcast. Jeff Seckendorf is here. Welcome, Jeff.
1: Hey, Justin. Great to be here.
0: Thank you so much for coming. Uh, We found each other online, and you told me a little bit about yourself, and I I think I told you at the time that I found it absolutely compelling, and I really wanted to talk to you because – frankly sound like a really interesting person and someone who I think my audience would really uh, resonate with. Could you sort of like give a a short rundown of your story, if you would?
1: Uh, Yeah, so I was a child photographer, like really little child photographer. And I parlayed that into uh, my initial career as a stills photographer, which turned into TV news, which turned into video production, which turned into film production, which turned into movie making. So that whole thing ran for uh, 35 years, maybe, of filmmaking. So I ended up doing um, large and medium movies, some TV movies. I shot and directed like a thousand commercials and
0: stuff. Like that. Wow. I know. That's a, that, a big, that's a full career. You can retire. It was retire. a full career. you good. Well, I,
1: and I did. <laughs> and okay. I did. So about 12 years ago, I was looking to get out of the film industry. And the film industry is, it's a tough business. You know, i I always felt like I was... My full time job was looking for work, and my part time job was making movies. And, um, you know, I had one producing partner said I spent 15 years trying to get into the film business and 15 trying to get out. (laughs) So, um, sounds familiar. Yeah. So, I, you know, I've always had a teaching and educational element in the things I do, right? I became a pilot as a very young person and went on to become a flight instructor. And, um, I've been diving my whole life, and I went on to become a scuba instructor. And and so I, and so in the film industry, I spent 20 years teaching in workshops, and I developed a mentoring program um, for up-and-coming directors. So everything I've done, either vocation or avocation, has had this teaching and education element to it. So when I was really done with the film business, I thought, okay, now's the time to really find an education project. And I didn't really care what it was. So I had taken a uh, bunch of technical diving courses with a guy and then I went down to assist him on a course and um, we got talking about a training agency and one thing led to another and we formed Unified Team Diving or UTD Scuba Diving in 2008 and uh, and it's still running and I still run it. So we, we separated the company into equipment and training. So I now own the training piece solely. The, he owns the equipment piece solely and... Um, and we were able to create lots of firsts, right? First online um, education program in scuba amongst the training agencies. First, if uh, if your audience are divers, we were the first training agency. I shouldn't say that we were the second training agency, but the first more mainstream <laughs> one that taught you know, neutral buoyancy, don't touch the bottom, don't kick up the dirt, all that other stuff. Um, we took technical diving concepts and applied them to recreational diving. And uh, so that's still going on. So we have instructors all over the world. I run that every day. It's kind of my halftime main squeeze job.
0: And, uh, And it's a total blast. What do you like most about it?
1: What I like most about it is we change the way people look at diving and dive training we took a different methodology to teaching by bringing this whole technical and cave diving concept to open water recreational diving. So we brought things to recreational divers that had never really been brought to them before, and it opens people's eyes, right? It's team diving, unified team diving. So, you know, we've changed the buddy system in our agency. So it's a team. Now, when I started, when I I bought out the company, which is two years ago, You know, I'm a coached athlete and have been for a very long time. I race a bicycle. And um, I I never really fully believed that a transactional class was the best way to learn anything, where you're in for a weekend and out and done. Right. Because you just, it's just not enough time. And all we can really do with people is teach them how to practice properly and, and make sure they're safe. Right. Those are really the two parameters. So I took the model that I was using with my coaches on the bike and I applied it to scuba diving, which is a really, again, something had never been done before. And so we we took some nomenclature, right? We, we called the instructors coaches. We called the students clients. We put them in a package. We charged them a monthly fee. And the instructors, the coaches would spend like four months teaching them how to dive or six months teaching them how to do an advanced class. And they would just do this coaching program. And whenever they reached the bar, they'd get a certification. But certification was never the goal. Training was the goal. And training to provide scuba into a lifestyle where we incorporated fitness, nutrition, hydration, lifestyle, you know, boat, environmental, uh, you know, all of this kind of stuff that you just can't do
0: in four days. No, of course not. And I don't, I mean, this resonates an enormous amount for me. And I think a lot of the people listening, because what you're describing runs parallel to a lot of the fitness industry. I, at this point, I don't know how many certifications I have that were a weekend. I went somewhere, I took, you know, eight hours, one day, six hours, the next day, and I was certified to do X, Y, and Z. And that's how a lot of it is. There's a few of them out there, one of which I'm in the middle of now, where they do what you do, or at least similar, like in a similar vein running parallel, where they start with the value they want to deliver and then kind of reverse engineer it. It's like, well, it turns out this is going to be a six month project, or this is going to be a nine month project. We don't know how long it is, but you have to hit these 17 modules and you have to provide this quality of work and pass these things. Should you do that, well, you think you're good enough, but we can't promise that we're going to get it done. you know 14 hours over two days even if you travel to somewhere pretty
1: yeah we say in we say in utd that you pay for training but you earn certification
0: oh i love that jeff i'm writing that one down
1: <laughs> it's all over our website but it's a tr- it's true even to a point where we don't let the students purchase their initial certification card the instructors have to purchase the initial card you can buy a replacement. But we don't ever want to have the vision that you're buying anything associated with certification. We just want you to buy training.
0: Just the the education, because that's where the the value actually is, right?
1: Yeah, the certification card just allows you to do something in public,
0: you know. Sure. Buy gas, something like that. Does the certification, is that what lets you, if you're certified, you can go do these, uh, forgive my ignorance about diving, go do these kinds of dives or things like that? Or are you then certified to also instruct?
1: Uh, it's a separate level, you know, instructors, a separate level, but really what the certification card does, it lets you buy compressed gas.
0: Oh, you can go into a dive shop
1: and buy all the gear you want, but they won't fill your
0: tanks, (laughs) which does seem like it's a stumbling block,
1: which is, you know, it's a self-certifying agent or industry, right? So the, the shops just require a certification card to, uh, to actually fill a tank. And that's how they basically manage the whole thing. If you buy your own compressor, you don't need training. You just jump in the water.
0: I'm Uh, sure there's some scary people doing that.
1: I'm sure there are. But there's, you know, then there's also certification to go do things that you are not currently qualified to do technical diving, right? Deeper diving, cave diving, rebreather diving, all these other things require certification. And then we have non certification completion classes that are just skills training. So we've split it up.
0: That sounds like a real significant depth of training and instruction. It is
1: it is it's and very that's, impressive. you know but again this goes to my personal bent too that i'm interested in education first scuba second right i mean i could it, when when we started utd back then you know it could have been rocket science could have been brain surgery could have been auto mechanics i was just looking for a project right um that i could write and design and build and embrace and, you know, it happened to be scuba, which is super cool because, you know, we've, we've trained a lot of people over the decades.
0: Now the coaching, I want to come back to the coaching element of that, but I wonder coming from the filmmaking industry, which is so collaborative, like, you know, I mean, as you well know, everyone's working with everyone. Do you think part of that came out of wanting to just be able to do your own thing and actually create the thing and not have, and not trust or rely on a huge amount of other people to fill in the gaps and do their part. You could actually control every element of it.
1: No, I like the film industry mm-hmm. and you know, when you're in it long enough, you, you basically at the level I was at, you can hire your friends. Yep. And I had the same crew came back job after job, after job. We had great relationships and, and that part of it was always really fun. So, you know, you know, what I learned in as being a director of photography and a director cameraman really was, um, it was a place to hone my management skills, to hone my communication skills, um, and to function as a, you know, sort of a micro entrepreneur on a film set, right? It's, you're, you're working for people, but you're kind of autonomous. You've got a collaboration with the director going up and the, you know, the grip electric and camera department going down. So you're kind of bridging these these gaps in management. And. So that's what I learned and, you know, what's br- what I brought forward in the film industry. It, the filmmaking part, you know, it, it was a spin-off of photography
0: for me. Mm-hmm. But that people management and project management part you found translated really well to coaching? To everything. Can you tell me more about the Coach Me Strong project?
1: Yeah, so Coach Me Strong, this is a really interesting thing, right? So I've got scuba, I've got scuba coaching, and I've got my coach um your bike coach my bike coach who yeah. is a you know an ex pro super high end um rode the tour de france like i don't know eight times or something like that whoa super high level
0: his name isn't lance is it
1: no his name is not lance okay. he was on lance's team for a short while though it's tom danielson Got um it. so you know when i started working with tom on the bike what what i really learned was I mean, he built a really interesting structured training coaching program that I love. You know, I love the structure. I love, you know, riding to particular numbers and mm-hmm. power levels and things like that. So, you know, I was interested in, in always maintaining, you know, the... the I, I brought that to scuba. Right. That whole structured training thing, I just put into scuba. I mean, structured training for me is, you know, I have a week's worth of workouts that show up on my calendar, you know, their intervals, their endurance, their strength, their mental, their nutritional. I get all this other, all these right. pieces of it. So now um, I do a lot of work for the Parkinson's Association in San Diego, Parkinson's Association of San Diego. And that's just, been the charity I've chosen as my place to give back a ton. And so I do their website and I do their emails and I do a lot of video production for them and and content. So I was in a board meeting right when COVID started. And as an aside, in Parkinson's, the only therapy right now that's known to slow the progression of Parkinson's, which is a progressive or degenerative neurological disease, is exercise. There's massive amounts of drugs and therapies and surgeries and things that people do to mitigate symptoms. But right now the only thing that they know of that slows the progression is exercise. So Parkinson's patients are charged by their doctors to exercise. It's, they have to, basically they have to. So when COVID started, gyms closed, programs closed, yoga classes closed, everything closed. And the doctors and the nurse practitioners were seeing their patients shrivel up because they didn't know how to exercise because they would go to two classes a week and then they do a little less, you know, a walk and a run, whatever it was. So I'm in this meeting with this, the board and this doctor and who's on the board. And she was saying all the patients are having all this trouble. And I just piped up and said, look, I've got this coaching model in scuba that's already built structures in place infrastructure is in place. Everything's there. I'm a coached athlete. I understand endurance training, endurance coaching, how all that works. Why don't I put the two together and I'll make a coaching program for people with Parkinson's? And they were like, do it, just do it. So um, another board member and I started Coach Me Strong. And within about six weeks, we had a company up and running. We had a website. We had a team of coaches. We had clients coming in, and it's been wildly successful ever since. It was that simple, right? Find a niche and fill it. It's a classic way to start a business. Yeah, it was amazing.
0: Well, and especially in COVID, I mean, everyone, certainly everyone listening to this has, you know, has their horror stories, but we were all thrown on the back foot. And I have, uh, not at your level in filmmaking, but I have a background in showbiz. I, I did lighting for film and TV and theater and all that stuff for about 15 years. And I got, you know, we found out on a Tuesday morning, my boss walked into the gym I work at and was like, yeah, we're shutting it down. So what are you going to do? I like, I guess we have to do home workouts and like deliver something that looks good. So I was the one setting up, you know, my little tiny gaffer kit in my kitchen. And I shot workouts for the next, whatever, 75 days for yeah. five hours a day and all the editing and things like that. Seeing that as an opportunity and, it, and a, a space that needed filling and being able to do that in such a short period of time is fantastic.
1: Well, you know, and very quickly, um, so we started Coach Me Strong in May, whatever that was of 2020. 2020. 2020. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think by July of 2020, people were zoomed out. I mean, it was at that point, it was like, nobody wanted to deal with this anymore. So so we took the model of, well, let's not do zoom. Let's give you a calendar and communications app. We use the same thing that, that I use for my bike training. It's a piece of software called today's plan. Um, It's similar to training peaks. If you've heard of that one, Mm-hmm. And so we provide, it's got a workout library, the athletes are in there, the coaches are in there, they create workouts, they drag them onto a calendar, the clients see the workouts every day on their phone or their computer, or they um, they get an email the day before, this is what you're doing tomorrow. And then the team of coaches for us, for Coach Me Strong, they're physical therapists, exercise physiologists, kinesiologists, some personal trainers, and we took that group of people and we train them on, on structured training. How do you actually create structured training? Because that was, you know, we had to, we had to, they had to have that, but we also needed them to be able to handle these clients with massive amounts of underlying comorbidities. Yeah. Right. By the time you have Parkinson's and you're in your sixties or seventies, likely there's other stuff going on. There's cardiac stuff, there's pulmonary stuff, there's orthopedic stuff, there's other you know, autoimmune stuff going on. So we can't just get a bunch of personal trainers and say, here are your Parkinson's patients. It doesn't work that way. Balance is an issue, tremor is an issue, yeah. speech, um, all of this stuff. So we had to find the team that would do it and was willing to learn how to do structured training, but loved people and loved working with you know, people who are challenged neurologically, you know, I took the infrastructure from scuba. I put it together with the the concept from endurance training and basically endurance sports, right? Cycling, mm-hmm. running, swimming and triathlon, took that model, took the same software they're using. We're only using about 5% of it, but we're using right. it and um, started putting clients in. Now, here's a really interesting thing that happened that we didn't expect. There are two interesting things that happened that we didn't expect. We have all these clients now with Parkinson's disease, NMS and traumatic brain injury and, mm-hmm. and other stuff. And many of them are older, yep. 70 plus. Not the most comfortable people on technology as a community, right? I mean, we have people with flip phones.
0: Yep. So I've run into this very problem.
1: So we thought that that our initial thought was that the the, the software. You know, the Today's planned app and the, inter- the interface on the browser was going to be a huge liability. And it is in some cases. But there's also a cognitive issue with Parkinson's, right? It's one of the symptoms that there are cognitive. Um, there is some cognitive uh, degeneration in many people with Parkinson's. We found that forcing them into the app and forcing them onto the computer each day added that level of, of uh, intellectual challenge. It was just another exercise.
0: So that the the stumbling block actually became like the like a bit of a warm up for what they were going to do, like starting to kind of turn the lights on. I hope that's not offensive, but starting to like put things together and go from A to B to C in a structured fashion.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. It just it 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 was a surprise benefit. Is there anything better when you start a company than having surprise benefits? Yeah, I, I mean seriously, right? It it was it was a huge shock that that happened. Um, The other thing that happened in Coach Me Strong was that often there's a care partner involved, a spouse normally, and the spouse understands that exercise makes their Parkinson's spouse feel better, be better, be stronger, all of that. But lethargy is also a symptom. So there's a lot of nagging that goes on in some of these relationships between the care partner and the person with Parkinson's to go out and exercise. One of the things we do is make it very clear that in Coach Me Strong, the coach is the accountability partner. And we take that role off the care partner as much as we can. Sometimes That's we call huge. ourselves the anti nagging company, <laughs> right? Because we want we want the coach to be the nagger.
0: Yeah, you're not anti-nagging. You're you're willing to do the nagging. You are outsourcing to, nagging
1: yeah, to us. Yeah, anti-nagging within the race, it, within the relationship. Mm-hmm. What we found is, in some cases, and again, this is one of these secret benefits we didn't know about. In some cases, we've been able to open up space inside these very stressful, often relationships of care partner person with Parkinson's or MS or whatever it is, to um, by taking that responsibility for the exercise off those shoulders. And it's made more room in some of these people to do other things inside their relationship. So they're, they're not being forced to nag and did you exercise? Did you walk? Did you do your stretches? Did you do your weights? Stuff like that. That was another really interesting piece of the puzzle that we didn't th- know was going to happen.
0: That's really interesting. I mean, certainly like uh, enormous one of the reasons that that people hire people like you and me is like accountability tends to be on the list somewhere they want whatever they to generalize they want the results they have you know some goals in mind they might have a particular way they want to go about it but if they could do it on their own they already would have like no one no one stops here first they always they try something else and for a number of reasons it's challenging and having that accountability in what it sounds like a very supportive way is huge it's enormous
1: Well, I think there's that, and I also think that people don't know how
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, this is the other piece of our little marketing thing that when we market to doctors, because a lot of our business is referred from physicians and nurse practitioners, neurologists. I want to talk
0: a lot about that, but keep going.
1: We'll get Mm -hmm. to that. Um, You know, our marketing tag for that is you tell your patients they have to exercise, but we tell them how. Because people come out of an appointment, especially newly diagnosed with Parkinson's, and they're told, okay, you have to exercise. See ya. Yeah, right? now what? Go to a class, go to the gym. Go. But how do you create functional exercise, which has to be wrapped around a structured program, right? We know consistency is the most important thing. Second to that, by just the closest margin, is structure. You can't walk every day and say you're getting exercise, right? You've got to have the blend, aerobic, anaerobic, st- mobility, no. balance, core, tons of core, you know and we assign exercise based on the individual symptoms of each client right if they're falling which is a problem in parkinson's we make sure they get lots of upper body because they tend to grab things and mm-hmm. tear muscles and we do lots of balance if they have freezing of gait which is another one in Parkinson's. We do lots of neuromuscular connections and lower body and pick up your legs and things like that. So we, we can tune the exercises individually to specific symptoms because every case of Parkinson's is different.
0: Are these symptoms, how do you determine, are these symptoms self-reported? Do you, do you get it from the clinician or are you doing your own assessment on every client?
1: Well, we do an assessment, but you know it's like any coaching relationship, right? The clients and coaches become friends. Mm-hmm right? I mean, that's how, just how it works, right? I mean, I'm friends with my coach. And I just because, you know, yeah, I, I like them. <laughs> you know,
0: well, and um, there's a lot of vulnerability in that relationship, like they see you, you know, if, if it's going to work at all, yeah. like, you have to be honest, you have to t- you know, tell them when things I just had this conversation the other day with someone who like, told me they did something that in addition to the other work, and then told me they almost didn't tell me. And I was like, we have to be very. Yeah. I need to know everything. Like, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not your dad, but I am your coach and I have to know all about it.
1: Oh yeah. No, I did. A, I did. um I raced. I, we talked about this for a minute. I raced the world mm-hmm. six hour time trial championships yesterday and it was one of my worst performances ever. It was one of the hardest days I've ever done. I raced it on a fixed gear bike and like halfway through this six hour ride, the wheels came off. Not literally, but it right. could have <laughs> been. And, um and it was one of my hardest days ever, ever, ever on a bike. And I've done crazy stuff, right? I've set an hour record at my local track and I've raced pursuit on Olympic tracks and blah, blah, blah. And um, but, you know, as soon as the thing was over, you know, I'm texting the coach. It's like, all right, this was not a good day. Let's, Let's figure out what to do now to get my head out of the, you know, the drag that the day was. And he had the best note back after about three or four of these pity texts. It was like, you know what? Go have dinner, have some fun, and we'll unpack this whole thing like Tuesday. Best thing I you could it. have said, right?
0: Yeah, we're not getting rid of it. We're not pretending it didn't happen. Nope. We will absolutely deal with it when you're in a place that we can actually deal with this constructor. Tuesday, right?
1: You have you have forty eight hours to have your pity party. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're gonna just deal with it and figure out and move forward. And I thought that was really smart of him, right?
0: That sounds like an incredibly tough day. It was uh, a hard I thing. am super interested in how you form relationships with doctors and clinicians. To give you some background, one of the parts of Feel Strong is bringing people back from injury, getting people out of chronic pain. Mm -hmm. We have a very close relationship with a bunch of physical therapists we work with, where referrals go both ways. And I'm also working with a company called Active Life, whose mission is, is bridging the gap between healthcare and fitness. And they see a white space, which I think you, you're already working. We're, we're doing the same thing, Jeff, in a very different way, like filling this gap where doctors and clinicians and sometimes PTs, physios can bring people up to a certain point, And then they don't know enough slash don't have the bandwidth slash insurance isn't covering it, you know, X, Y and Z. And then there's fitness people over here who are, you know, overwhelmingly maybe not doing the most constructive thing for all these people who need to be served. Um, and we where my company FeelStrong strong is trying to do a lot of work in this space also, because I found, you know, a bunch of people and clinicians and doctors who are great, but a lot, and a lot who really aren't on board and you have to kind of drag them kicking and screaming toward the right answer because they're happier to just say, go exercise or don't pick up anything over five pounds or you no, know, just go to physical therapy until your insurance runs out. And that's, that's what works. Go do that.
1: Yeah, that's okay. So. I know
0: that's a lot. I got really excited.
1: Every single company that's formed, whether it is got a mission that is, you know, super high level like ours, right? Support people with neurological challenges or I don't know, you're selling, you know, I don't know what little army men to kids, whatever it is. All of these companies are marketing projects, nothing else, right? If it's not a marketing project, then it's, it's, Likely doomed to failure. Completely agree. So, we spend an enormous amount of time slowly kind of moving toward how do we get a doctor on board for referrals? Um, You know, it's been San Diego based at the onset because this is Mm -hmm. where we are and where we know everybody. And we have a few physicians and nurse practitioners who are referring in patients now. We're starting to expand that out. To different places. Um, I like doing these podcasts because, you know, it gives me a chance to get the word out to people who are intrigued and interested. But it, you know, I'm not going to pretend that it's not hard to convince doctors to refer into a non-medical group program. At the same time, most physicians, neurologists do what I said earlier. It's like, okay, you have Parkinson's, you have to go exercise, do it. So there's a disconnect there that we're working on in education with you know the medical community that we're in touch with to try to bring people on to understand that there's no conflict here that this this is just a you know it's a small self-pay operation that will make people stronger and feel better.
0: Yeah, it's not a competition and I found no. you know so far the, the best thing that we've found to do is do everything we can to make those medical providers look incredibly good. Yeah. Like when you refer someone to us, they are going to be a success story. Yeah. They're not going to fall through the cracks. They're not going to like, or, and if something goes wrong and, or for some reason they're not a fit, we are going to refer them to somebody else who will make them a success story and like building a rock solid network. So they can say, just go exercise, but really to say, you just, you should go work with, feel strong or precision or one of these three or four people that we, we trust a lot.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I check in with these referring physicians all the time, you know, to find out, you know, how it's going, what their patients are saying, you know, all of that. We just try to stay in touch with that. And that is the marketing project for us is that, you know, our, our business model is, is, you know, B2B where we want, us to the doctors and the doctors referring clients in. One of the things that happens, you know, kind of when we pull the, the curtain back a little bit is that when a, a physician or a neurologist refers somebody in, basically the program, they, the client comes in with the program pre-vetted. The doctor <laughs> says it's a good program and the patient calls up and they said, my doctor said it's a good program and we're awesome. When somebody comes in off our website, I have to do that work. Yeah, right. you have to build have the credibility
0: to, from the beginning.
1: I have to do the vetting for them, and so, um, you know, for us, it's better when doctors refer in. Now that said, we we're building a much bigger social media presence now. We're pushing people into the website. We are taking on, you know, retail clients, but, and I'm willing to spend the time with them to make sure they understand it. But it's just two two different streams of clients who come to us, um, either from a physician referral or. Kind of as a, from the retail side.
0: I assume you don't you don't take insurance, right? No, no. But we're not very expensive. We're one forty nine a month. That's in, for what you're doing. That's incredible.
1: Yeah, but but you know, again, we have people who, you know, have neurological challenges, and their um, their out of pocket is way out, way of high course. compared to insurance. So we just made it, you know, as low as we could could to keep the company running pay the bills, pay the coaches, and uh, and bring on people with the least barrier that we could.
0: So I have, I, I could talk to you all day about this, Jeff. I have two <laughs> questions about, uh, I mean, you, like, I thought we were going somewhere else, and now I'm, like, over the moon, because I spent I a lot of time thinking about this stuff. How do you, how would you suggest someone who, because there's people listening to this right now who do more what I do, but in this vein, they want to fill this this gap that they see between healthcare providers, clinicians, let's say, and personal trainers, group classes in a gym, like bringing people in a structured way so they can get from A to B and not just do the things they need to live, but the things they want to do. And ideally, like a return to their daily activities, the things so they can get back on a bike if they want to get back on on a bike and things like that. How do you approach a clinician or a physician or someone like that who is very busy and probably is surrounded by all these institutional barriers. Is it like, what does the marketing look like for that?
1: Oh, it's grassroots. Okay. It's just grassroots. I mean, it's just, you know, this is why we're so focused on Parkinson's because that's the community that my little circle is involved in. Mm -hmm. And from that, like we just took on an MS client Whose sister has Parkinson's and is a client of Coach Me Strong, so, you know, we just have to go over the path of least resistance, mm-hmm. and the path of least resistance for us is grassroots. You know, uh, we talk to we talk to people all the time. We go to events, um, we meet people, we tell them about it, and probably the biggest thing we do is we have, we find a client, and that client tells their doctor they're doing great and Coach Me Strong.
0: Now, the other side of that, how do you find? coaches? Cause it is a particular, it sounds like exactly the kind of thing I would enjoy doing. I'm not, I'm, I, you can't hire me, but I feel like I would love this. Uh, I'm just very busy, but how do you find it's a particular kind of coach. And you know, someone who has like, I would imagine incredible communication skills, being able to understand this, you know, breadth and depth of symptoms and adjust things person to person, you know, day to day, week to week, depending on how they're doing. Cause there's good days and bad days and whatever you have written as the program may, may no longer be relevant because Friday's kind of a hard day.
1: So we started with a friend of mine, Mm -hmm. exercise physiologist, been doing Parkinson's patients for 20 years. And, um, and then one other physical therapist who coincidentally was leading Parkinson's hikes in San Diego. So we took those two explained the system. Do you want to be a coach? We'll show you how to do structure, structure training. They were like, sure. And then this one had that friend and that one had this friend. And, you know, we took on one um, personal trainer, Ironman coach, bike coach, not centered on that. And he gets people who are either brand new diagnosed and have exhibiting almost no symptoms, you know, with no underlying morbidities. And we just took on a cyclist as a client, like a massive endurance cyclist. So he went to that guy, but he's like you know, six months into his journey on Parkinson's. Okay. And again, I assign the coach to the, I assign the client to the coach based on their intake. You know, what what underlying stuff do they have? How long are they into Parkinson's? What's their exercise history? Were, there a ch- were they a child or college athlete? You know, do they love sitting on the couch? And I've got a gazillion stories of, uh, of success stories across the board that we don't have time for, but um, they're really interesting the way we see people rise to exercise because our whole thing is fun. If it's not fun, you won't do it. So the first thing we do, the first thing the coaches do is say, what do you like to do? We had one guy say, you know, I hate exercise. I won't do it. I don't like to walk. My feet hurt. You know, I've always kind of wanted to ride a bike, but I'm afraid I'll fall over. Well, we got him a trike and the dude was a maniac he was out there forty five minutes a day. I set it up so he, he could either roll it onto a smart trainer in his garage and I set him up with Zwift and all that stuff. Or a smart trainer could, for a trike. Yeah, I found a trike oh, with wow. a big, I found a trike with a big back wheel. That got it. Gotta gotta fit, on, got it, got it, got fit it. on a kicker snap. Okay. And so so he could do that, or he could just, you know, unhook the back wheel and ride it out of his garage and go ride right around his neighborhood. And then get back home, push it onto the trainer, lock it back on, and then tomorrow go ride the train. It was awesome. And he did it for, you know, endlessly still doing it, still riding his trike.
0: This is the one who hates exercise.
1: Hates exercise, but you can't mm-hmm. get him off the trike. Yep. But, you know, again, it's adaptive, right? We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're kind of working in this adaptive world.
0: And when people, we run into this all the time, people who hate exercise or are afraid of, afraid of weightlifting or afraid of gymnastics or they don't want to do this or they've heard bad things about, they've heard terrible things about CrossFit. And a lot of it, like what you just said is is literally on our intake form. So what do you like to do? Yeah, And also like, what do you not want to do? And there's people who are like, if you make me run, I will quit. Great. We're never going to run. You are probably going to bike, jump rope, swim, row, like whatever, whatever we can do, we're going to find some cardio respiratory endurance work in there. And we'll go short, medium, long and hit your energy systems and all of these things. But I don't, unless you want to run, unless you have running goals and don't like running and that's a conflict we would have to work out. You know, if you want to run a marathon, but refuse to train running, that'll be tough.
1: Yeah. And that's not our community at all. I mean, our our guys, you know, but we do have a lot of people who say they like to walk. So the first thing we do is give them hills go walk walking Mm -hmm. structured walking walk hills big arm swings play cognitive games while you're walking all of this kind of stuff so we integrate it with other elements so it's not just an unstructured walk an unstructured walk 20 minutes a day
0: will not help parkinson's and do you track i assume in the software probably i just don't know your software very well Mm -hmm. i'm assuming you can track results and go back and see you know we did a hill workout four weeks ago, we're going to go see what that was. Do you track like times or paces? Are are you looking for progression in there?
1: Um, you know, we don't do too much on metrics because this constituency doesn't need it Okay. because it's, it's really going forward. You know, they just really need to go forward. We're not worried about, you know, you know, a 5k time, you know, or a bike split time or anything like that. Um, but we have a calendar in today's plan. There's a big, daily calendar and you know the workouts in front of you are black the ones that are are behind you are red and when you do them they turn green so we can just open up the calendar and the client does can i can the coach can and see and if we see a sea of green we know we have a solid thing going on mm-hmm. if we see a sea of red then we have to figure out why these workouts aren't being managed. And then sometimes it's technology. It's like some people just get the workouts. They look at the emails they never open the calendar, and we don't care as long as they're doing it. We have clients who are just obsessed with making their whole calendar green every day. So it runs the gamut on that, but we track it that way. Um, and then that allows us to use our workout library and, and create the workouts so we don't have to just sit there and write a plan every single week. We kind of know what they're doing. And and we can change the workout weekly by just bringing in different, you know, just dragging in different workouts. And every time something new comes up, you know, the coaches just write a new workout and stick it in the library. Then everybody can use it.
0: Oh, so it's it's pre built workouts, and you can go in and I assume it's categorized in a million different ways. Yeah, so it's can all go tagged and grab up. What you're in, looking for,
1: but the coaches have, have designed most of the workouts or mm-hmm. used videos that they've made or their friends have made or we've we've. Um, Contracted, so a lot of it is video-based. So they open up a workout, and there's either a follow-along video or an instructional video, mm-hmm. and some of it's descriptive. So they get a they get a whole range, and every day they'll get four or five things to do, based on how much time they're willing to commit. We have people who are working who are willing to do thirty minutes a day. We have people who are retired who want to exercise
0: three hours a day. Whew, it's awesome. Uh, that's incredible. So even with, I mean, not specific metrics, but that even the calendar that changes colors, there's a a level of not like sort of gamification, not exactly that, but it's a thing where they can kind of, it's accountability to themselves and they can see these results happening. And at some point, like done is good. Yeah, you did the workout or at least some version of this workout, you got in, you got something done and that always beats doing nothing.
1: Now, what happens also, of course, in any coaching relationship is that accountability when you start with your coach goes with the coach, right? I'm doing this bike ride because I know my coach is going to look at the power numbers and I got to hit them spot on. Eventually, athletes shift off of accountability to the coach and shift onto accountability to themselves. I'm at a point in my cycling career where, you know, I know my coach is looking at these workouts, but I don't care. I'm doing them for me. That's the goal with our clientele and Coach Me Strong. We want these people to become accountable to the coach at the beginning, and for the coach to find enough stuff to make it fun enough, interesting enough, compelling enough that these people want to get up in the morning and do this program and be accountable to themselves. That's our goal.
0: And I think that's
1: any coach's goal, right?
0: A hundred percent. I say all the time, like, I don't want anyone to, I don't want, I don't want anyone to be my client forever. Absolutely not. We are creating autonomous people <laughs> That a little bit of time, like ideally we're providing all this information, all this education, how to do these things, how to structure these workouts, how we think you should progress things. So that six months from now, we're like, oh, like I pretty much know how this works. I could write my own workouts. And we still hear from people in the past who haven't worked with us for years and are writing their own things and still having an enormous amount of success. I feel like for the, a Coach Me Strong client, becoming autonomous is an even bigger success. Yeah.
1: You know, when we started the company and our first client left, I was so offended. It's like, no, don't leave. We have so much more to give you. I don't want you to leave. And then I realized, of course, that, you know, like me with, you know, the string of coaches I've had over the decades, you know, you have to move on. And now I'm I'm much more, you know, you know, supportive and, you know somebody leaves and I'm like, great. How can I support you? You know, we come to our group exercise classes. I run a bike ride. We do a hike. We do this, that, the other thing. And, um, and you know, now I'm, I'm much more gracious about people leaving. Cause I understand it's part of the progression. And some people come in for three months and do exactly what you said, Justin, they come in and, and they basically learn how to do a structured program because their doctor said, go exercise. And they had no idea how, and sometimes people come in and say, "I just want to learn how to do this. Yep. How long will it take?" I said, "Well, it'll take you know three four months, and then we'll we'll graciously send you on your own." And we've had people in from day one who just tick it off every day, do the exercises, never look back.
0: We get that's incredible. I I know I I remember the first person who quit, and I was I was also very upset at the time. <laughs> I sort of wrapped my brain around it by thinking like. <laughs> what I, I actually care deeply about my members, my clients. I don't care about your membership. I mean, at some point I have to like pay the, pay the, the mortgage and all of that stuff, but it'll be fine. I don't care about your membership. I really care about you. And I think I have all the stuff to help you for now. But there's definitely people who are like, I- I'm good. I think I know what I'm doing. I'm going to do my own thing for a while. Maybe I'll be back. And sometimes people come back, which is also great. I have to send them out into the world. But knowing that you've done enough that they can – be more productive, healthier, well, do all the things they want to do is also a huge success, even if it means losing that relationship for at least a little while.
1: Yeah, at first it was, oh, where did I go wrong, and yep. now it's, oh, look
0: where I went right. Yep, it, it turns out that's a massive success when people leave, which is it's weird for a business, isn't it, Jeff? <laughs> uh, it is, especially. I mean,
1: you know, in the medical community, you have a you have a degenerative neurological disease. Those people are patients forever. Yep. The doctors, the nurse practitioners, the PAs, they have them forever. It's not like, you know, you break your arm, they set the bone, and you never see the orthopedist again. You know, there. this is an ongoing, I mean, we have clinicians we work with who have had the same patient for 10, 12, 15 years, you know, as they progress through Parkinson's. So, um, and then we have a third constituency we haven't talked about yet. Which So we have Parkinson's, we have other neurological stuff, right? We have one coach who had a traumatic brain injury. So she gets all those people we had, you know, and like I said, we had MS and some stroke and all, but I also have a constituency of people who are older, again, told by their doctor or told by some physical therapist, they have to exercise and don't know how. And we were trying to name that constituency and it's kind of baby boomers, but I think that's a really offensive Name because I'm yeah. sort of I'm in that group, and then there's the Silent Generation, right? Which is what was in 1929 to 48 yeah. or something like that. Right, um, and then there's Gen Y, Gen Z, Gen Bs, and so I named our our older constituency Gen OW for Generation Older Wiser. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, so, I like that.
1: Yeah, so we take on Gen OWs as clients. Also, some of them are care partners of the people who are also in the program. But absolutely, you know, again, we have. I'm always looking for a constituency that's told to exercise and doesn't know how. And there are a lot of people, you know, coming into retirement, coming into their mid-late 60s, early 70s, and you know, they've sat on a couch and and had martinis their whole life and now, you know, that one round of golf a week's not enough. So we're taking in those people also and saying you know, here's a here's a constituency that we can really help because, you know, they need a coach. They need a structured exercise program. Often there are not a lot of underlying comorbidities. Um, you know, I can give them to the personal trainers and the PTs who don't have experience with neurological things and stuff like that. So we have a big resource for people coming in who are just a little getting a little older and just want some guidance on their exercise.
0: I have a client. She may well be listening to this right now, who is. Uh, she is the mother of someone with Parkinson's. She came to us because she saw her son with Parkinson's having great success at a different gym. Uh, does the sort of things we do, and now I work with her one on one, doing some—I I imagine some real similar stuff like joint mobility, balance things, carrying, getting up, getting down. All and we we you know form it as different exercises and different patterns, uh, but it followed exactly the same thing. She like saw great success with her son doing this realized that she was starting to see some changes she didn't like in her own lifestyle while her son was uh, having some success, said, oh, wait, I, I bet this would work for me too, right? Said, Absolutely. The first thing we're gonna do is pretend you fall down. Like that, that was day one. We're gonna get down on the ground and get up and it's gonna take a while. And then we're gonna do it again and again and again.
1: Yeah, that's a great way to start. And we, do a, we also do a lot of work on nutrition, um, mm-hmm. uh, sort of as an underlying thing. My co-founder um, who does have Parkinson's uh, it, spent her career as a registered dietitian, so we have that element. And, That's huge. Um, yeah, so we we're working on you know uh, such an interesting story. We have a client who I used to see in meetings associated with Parkinson's who always had a can of Pepsi on his desk, and I saw this for like three weeks, four, four or three four months in a row, and I. I called his coach and I said, this Pepsi thing is driving me crazy. And so, and you know, he could have stood to lose 20 or 30 pounds. And and so it it was awesome because obviously she talked to him and from then on it was water bottles. Wow. Just like that. But but it's not, you know, I can't judge that in any way. Right. It's not anything about someone who, he just didn't know. He just didn't know he was drinking chemical sugar water. So just the guidance to help people understand that, you know, there's another way to do this. Um, you know, and that tiny, tiny little changes in
0: nutrition and hydration go such a long way. Um, I was just going to say that I bet like at, in this day and age, people at least have an idea that like maybe soda is bad, but they may not realize what that small change, taking the Pepsi off your desk can ripple oh. through your life in a, in a significant way in a shorter timeline than people think. We're not talking like it's going to take 10 years to see a difference here at all.
1: No. You know, once they make one small change and realize there's a benefit from it, then we can go forward. Like I do a group bike ride for the, for the clients. And, you know, I'm a broken record about nutrition. It's like, you know, here's the deal. Here are your macros. I want you to eat X number of grams of carbohydrate, 45 minutes before this bike ride. I want you Mm -hmm. to eat, X number of grams of carbohydrate and protein during it. I want you to eat this much, you know, when you're done, finish up, go eat a banana, go have a bowl of cereal, right? Drink two bottles of water in the next two hours, go have some protein. You know, you don't have to go weigh it and measure it, but go have, you know, have a piece of chicken and a little spinach or something, you know, so we just, we just trying to make it so simple for people, but also understand that, you know, structured training also involves structured eating. Yep. And we, we do it by separating food and fuel, right? Food keeps you alive. Fuel is your workouts. And even if you're doing a 20-minute walk and that's your exercise, you still need to fuel the walk. And then if you want to control weight and nutrients, then you do that with food. So as long mm-hmm. as food and fuel are different, I think people can sort of grasp you know, how nutrition doesn't have to be this big unknown and scary
0: thing to try to change. It's a big complex mystery to a lot of people, which is why so many like nonsense fads and BS gain traction because it's always, well, this is the, just drink this or take this pill or this stupid wrap or this, whatever kind of BS supplement is, is coming down the pipe. It's super easy. You just have to do this. Don't worry about everything else. Here's a thing that definitely won't work, but we're stealing your money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I have you some know. particular views on the supplement industry. Yeah. I think,
1: is. I think all of us in this industry who are doing, trying to do the good work have pretty,
0: you know, serious views on nutrition. How is it building this habit forming, building small habits with a Parkinson's community? That sounds like it would be extra challenging.
1: It is because of the lethargy issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that sometimes everything hurts and it's hard to get off the couch. So, I mean, really the only tool we have is that people feel better. You know, Is it the same
0: with nutrition? Like ch- those small habits? Is it more, is it more difficult with a parkinson's population or not really
1: no i don't think so i think that's a thing that it's difficult with the, with every population mm-hmm. you know and i don't i don't think having nutritional problems or drinking a pepsi every day is a, is endemic to parkinsons i think it's endemic right. to western society
0: i wasn't sure with uh with a neurological disease if changing those habits because so much of that stuff is routine people are somewhat on autopilot and for building new habits Uh, to some degree, we're kind of trying to just change that autopilot a little bit. So you don't reach for the Pepsi, you reach for the water bottle. It's not a, you know, it may or may not be on your checklist. And I wasn't sure if that became more difficult due to the nature of the disease.
1: You know, I think it's really about people understanding that if they follow a program, a structured program, and they're consistent, they'll feel better. And that Mm -hmm. if we can we can add the element of saying, all right, we've got you exercising now. You're a month in. You're doing awesome. You know, you're you're ticking off your workouts. You're feeling better. Now let's do structured eating. And all we do when we start that, or all I try to do when we start that, is just separate food and fuel, like I mm-hmm. just spoke about. And once they understand that, the, you know, if they want to lose weight, they have to eat less. If they want to lose, gain weight, they, they have to eat more on the food thing. But regardless of that... The fuel for the
0: workout is separate and non-negotiable. You must fuel your training.
1: You must fuel the training, even if you're just doing a walk or a you know a simple yoga class. Right, you just have to fuel the training because if you don't feel strong, you know, and and a lot of it is not so much um, composition. Most of it's timing. Yep. You know, we want to make sure people eat at the right time for their workouts, so you know they have the best chance of success.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and all of these things, I'm
1: sorry, sorry to interrupt. Mm -hmm. All of these things are the same things that, you know, I deal with as a bike racer, you deal with as a coach and a trainer with your clients, the whole thing. I mean, this is not rocket science. We didn't reinvent the wheel here. We just applied the wheel to a slightly different
0: community. Exactly. And it's taking, it's taking these potentially complex issues and very big things of fitness and exercise and nutrition and endurance and communicating and educating passing on this knowledge in a, a understandable, digestible way that is also focused on the, the, the people and really the person that you're working on. And if you, if you can be successful with that, I think you're a successful coach. And if you can't, I don't think you are, no matter how many certifications, no matter how much knowledge you have. If you can't communicate it and apply it to the person, then your your chances of success is very, very low.
1: And this is why our our Coach Me Strong coaches are physical therapists and exercise mm-hmm.
0: physiologists
1: and kinesiologists because, you know, the most important thing for us is don't get a client injured. You know, if you're, you're no injured, arm. you're yep. screwed twice, one. right? One is you're injured and two, you can't train. So the injury potential with Parkinson's because of the balance issues is, you know, exponentially more complex than it is, you know, if you were training me or you or something like that. So, so... You know, we can't just take physical, personal trainers and say, "Go train Parkinson's patients." We can't allow these people to have the risk of a um, an exercise induced fall, you know, or or something like that, because they're going to get twice as hurt. So, and this is why I've been so adamant on making sure that the coaches are trained outside of structured training in the medical world, and that we do the structured training part. As opposed to the other way right we're not going to take a personal trainer and teach them how to manage a parkinson's patient we're going to do it the other way we're going to take someone who knows how to manage a parkinson's patient or an ms patient or mm-hmm. an older clientele and we'll give them the structured training part because that's super easy right that's just a balance of i mean i don't want to i don't want to you know <laughs> diss the personal training industry in any way but it's not all that complex Correct. To structured training when you take yeah. it down to that piece if you understand 'Cause our people coming in already understand the body, they already understand anatomy, physiology, yeah. and nutrition, all that.
0: Yeah. And I'm proud to say I'm part of a movement that is working the other way. You are you have you are correct to distrust personal trainers, but there's a small group of us who are racing the other direction toward the medical profession, trying to bridge that gap. And it's a lot of education. It is, man, the orthopedic course I'm in the middle of right now is mm-hmm. exhaustive, mm-hmm. but is 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 bringing me right up to the edge of licensure as far as a physical therapist goes uh and I think you're going to hear more about us in the next few years but I completely but I completely agree and I work with several of the physical therapists I work with now won't take on a physical therapist unless they also coach and they want both of those things especially working with a relatively active population like you have to understand this structured training as you put it and how people work and where the nerves innervate and all of these things, or you can't actually be effective with that bringing people back from injury, with that getting people out of pain piece uh, that we spend a lot of time on.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's awesome.
0: Uh, Jeff, I feel like we could do this for another 90 minutes, but I want to be respectful of your time. (laughs) What do you want to plug? How can people find you uh, anything you want? UTD, Coach Me Strong, lay it on me.
1: Yeah, I'm focused on Coach Me Strong, you know, today. And Mm -hmm. really it's coachmestrong.com and – the, it just starts with a phone call. There's a there's a link on the website that says set up an information meeting, comes to my desk. You know, we pick a time and um, we have a phone call and see how it goes. And that's really it. You know, we have had such massive success, you know, with our existing clients. And, you know, as we talked about with the clients who've come in for a few months and left or come in for a year and left and stuff like that, you know, we just want people to have the best possible experience they can with exercise. But, you know, if you're told to exercise, you know, I tell, I tell newly diagnosed Parkinson's patients that their new job is that they become a professional athlete with that diagnosis. Their, their whole thing now has to be training. They have to do this level of exercise to hold this disease at bay. And so we want to find a way for people to have that attitude that a professional athlete has. Which means, unlike me, I'm an amateur bike racer. If it's raining, I stay home, right? If you're a pro bike racer and it's raining, you just go. It's
0: your job. It's non-negotiable. It's your job.
1: You have Parkinson's and it's raining. You have to go, right? You just have to. And that's what we're doing. We're helping people get to that point where they can embrace a level of exercise that's manageable, that isn't you know, knocking them down. Is, it is fun. And makes them feel better and holds this this you know degenerative thing at bay the best we know how
0: that's incredible do you guys have a social media presence that people should know about we do
1: facebook instagram Mm -hmm. not so much on twitter but you know coach me strong you can find it pretty easily um there's tons of little short videos from the coaches and from me and odds and ends um that you can learn about and the website has you know it's like all the stuff, right? It's got testimonials, it's got you know videos and comments from the coaches, and it's got you know lots of information about the program and how it works and
0: and stuff like that.
1: And it's it's you know it's self pay, but it's cheap.
0: That's amazing, Jeff. Uh, Jeff, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you, thank you. First of all, thank you for getting in touch and thank you for agreeing to come on and giving us your your time. I I really really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's fun to talk about. It's great to meet you, and uh, yeah, I'm grateful for the opportunity.
0: I'm excited to see, uh, to find out more about what you're doing and to see where this goes in the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, it's gonna go, continue, It it just has to.
0: Thank you very, very much. All right, you're quite welcome and thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your subscriptions. Your written reviews make a big difference. Thank you for those. Please keep them coming. Drop five stars while you're there. If you find these podcasts helpful, share them with friends. Send it on. We love it when the stuff gets shared outside of our bubble, outside of you folks. Any feedback, hit us up on Instagram at FeelStrongFit on Instagram. DMs are open there for all of your questions and feedback. More questions about the program or you're ready to get started. Feelstrong.me is the website feelstrong.me. If you're ready to make a change, if you're ready to feel better than you have in a long time, get in touch. My name is Justin McClintock. Feel strong.